Hey, welcome back to Well That's Interesting, the very liquidy, I am so sorry about this edition. <laughs> Today is episode 133, filling an Olympic-sized pool with saliva. I, I know, I know. And the tiniest ancient seawater bubbles found so far. Okay, look, my friends, I know. I know you may be asking yourself why. Why in the holy hell are we kicking off today's show with something as devastatingly gross as an Olympic pool filled with saliva? I know. I know. I could hear you from here. I agree. It's fucking absurd and uncomfortable and literally unimaginable. Like, why even imagine something like that? Well, well, because it's an interesting lesson in time. Yes, you heard me. A lesson about time. Now, it would take a damn long time to fill a pool of that size with daily saliva production. In fact, it would take thousands of years. And when we talk about such lengthy numbers, it's hard to wrap our human minds around them. Essentially, filling an Olympic-sized pool with some body fluid is, ugh, is a great and, dare I say, memorable way to conceptualize the vastness of thousands of years. In this experiment, we'll be marking off what human achievements took place as we pass through the centuries until that pool is filled to the brim. So get your floaties. Uh, then after the break, <laughs> a very tiny discovery, and I mean a physically tiny, oh-so-tiny discovery of water. Water in an unexpected place. My friends, some microscopic bubbles found inside some rocks are causing a big-ass stir. Not only were they microscopic, they were ancient. And we're going to get into how they were found and why their discovery has opened up a new way for us to understand how oceans change with the changing climate. Oh, and not only that, get this, these bubbles can teach us how we can safely store hydrogen or other gases underground to be used as cleaner fuel in the future. I know, that took a turn. There's some big shit ahead. But before we get into any of this, I'm Jill Chacha, and if this is your first time listening, welcome to the flock, my soaked business goose. We are starting off today's show with everyone's favorite new segment, and it's called, you got that right, it's called Let's Read from a Book, Motherfucker. This time around, we are starting off with a beloved masterpiece. Uh, you know it well by now. I'm talking about What If, Volume 2, by the madman himself, Randall Monroe. Now, if you've been listening to the past few episodes, you know that Randall gets a lot of weird, bonkers, batshit, crazy questions, which lead to equally weird, bonkers, batshit, crazy answers. This one is no exception, and it has the added flavor of being just totally fucking gross, too. <laughs> On page 263, quote, How long would it take? for a single person to fill up an entire swimming pool with their own saliva. End quote. Yeah. Now, if you're wondering who in their right mind would ask such a question, well, it was from a ninth grader. So there you go. And I'm happy to report the answer is surprisingly profound. Yeah. To begin, we have to find out just how much saliva the average person produces. And yes, someone has already looked into it uh, from the paper Estimation of the total saliva volume produced per day in a five-year-old child. <laughs> yeah, it's about half a liter or a pint. I know, it's gross. It's gross. 
but stick with me, okay? Now, Randall goes on to say that a five-year-old probably produces proportionally less saliva than a larger adult, but let's just stick with this conservative figure, because why not? It's a known stat, so let's just go with it. I mean, there's a lot of other problematic things with this question. Let's just stick with, <laughs> let's just stick with half a liter. Quote, at the rate of 500 mils per day, or half a liter, it would take you about a year to fill a typical bathtub. A bathtub full of saliva is pretty gross, but that's not what you asked for. For some reason, I don't really want to know why, you asked about filling a pool. Let's imagine an Olympic-sized swimming pool, which is 25 meters by 50 meters. Depths vary, but we'll suppose this one is uniformly four feet deep, so you can stand up in it. At 500 mils per day, it would take you 8,345 years to fill this pool, end quote. Yeah, that's a lot. I'll say that again, 8,345 years if you spit into a pool every day. Now, that's a lot of time from a human perspective, but honestly, if you think about it, we can't really grasp just how long that really is until you realize, holy shit, a lot has happened in 8,345 years to us as a species. Let's say we started filling up this pool eight millennia ago. We popped into our Wayback Machine and got this pool party started then. All right? It's imagination time. My friends, let's do this. Quote, eight millennia ago, the ice sheets that covered much of the northern parts of the world had mostly receded, and humans had just begun developing agriculture, end quote. So yeah, let that sink in for a second. Uh, it would take 8,000 years to fill that pool, and 8,000 years ago, we started farming. Now, if we fast forward to 4,000 BCE, you'd still be spitting, and quote, the civilizations of the Fertile Crescent had begun to develop in modern-day Iraq, and the saliva would be a foot deep covering your feet and ankles, end quote. I also gave 4,000 BCE a Google, and it turns out the world's population was only about 50 million people. And pottery. Pottery was starting to emerge in what's now the Middle East and China. There was lots of dog and pig domestication. That was all the rage, too, in East Asia. So, you know, it's only a foot deep, so let's keep spitting and see what else is in store for us. Quote, by 3200 BCE, when writing was first developed, the saliva would creep past your knees. End quote. That writing, by the way, was also developed in the Middle East, along with budding mathematics, astronomy, and astrology, civil law, and complex hydrology. And again, we're only up to our knees. We're doing pretty good as a species. Quote, around the mid-2000s BCE, the Great Pyramid was constructed, and early Mesoamerican cultures were emerging. At this point, the saliva would be getting close to your fingertips if you didn't lift up your arms. End quote. So my friends, not only was the engineering feat of the Great Pyramids accomplished at this point, but by the time the saliva reaches your mid-thigh, one of the most important alphabets has also spread. And this is from the wiki, quote, the Phoenician alphabet, was spread throughout the Mediterranean by the Phoenician maritime traders and became one of the most widely used writing systems in the world and the parent of virtually all alphabetic writing systems. End quote. 
Oh, uh, the Phoenicians, by the way, I had to give that a Google. Those were the folks who lived in what's now the very east of the Mediterranean Sea, like where Lebanon and coastal Syria are located. And for my fellow geographically challenged Americans, uh, just picture Egypt and move north a little bit. So I know I had to, I had to look it up too. Uh, now we are mid-thigh. How exciting. I think we should keep going. Quote, around 1600 BCE, the eruption of the huge volcano in the Greek island now known as Santorini, Santorini caused a massive tsunami that devastated the Minoan civilization, probably causing its final collapse. As that happened, the saliva would probably, probably be approaching waist deep. End quote. Now, this is interesting. You know we love a good erupting hole around these parts, so hold on to your butts, folks. Now, what's known as the Minoan eruption around 1600 BCE, which destroyed the island of Crete and other Aegean islands, it was so fucking massive. Quote, its plume and volcanic lightning may have been described in Egyptian works. The Chinese Bamboo Annals, which is basically a chronicle of ancient China, reported unusual yellow skies and summer frost at the beginning of the Shang Dynasty, which may have been the consequence of volcanic winter, which is the reduction in global temperatures caused by ash and droplets of sulfuric acid and water obscuring the sun. End quote. That was from the wiki. Again, from Greece all the way to China. And that happened. That happened while we were waist deep. So I guess you know the old British saying, keep spitting and carry on, or whatever the fuck it is. Quote, the saliva would continue to rise throughout the next three millennia of history. And by the time of Europe's industrial revolution, it would be chest deep, easily enough saliva to swim in. And the last 200 years, would add the final three centimeters, and the pool would finally be filled. End quote. And that, my friends, we would lead us to this very moment in time. Hello. It is April 1st when I'm recording this, so it all led up to this. We made it. Everyone, get in the fucking pool. <laughs> After the break... More wet stuff, but I assure you, it's only water. This time, uh, super, super tiny droplets are telling us a lot about the world and teaching us how we could store cleaner energy in the future. So, say, so please, stay tuned. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Shipping can make or break a sale. So optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Hey everyone, Jill Chacha here from Well That's Interesting, and I am absolutely thrilled to tell you 
about Spotify for podcasters. I use it, I love it, and it all started by downloading the free Spotify for Podcasters app, which has all the tools you need in one place to record and edit your masterpiece of a podcast. Spotify for Podcasters also distributes your show to all major platforms. So when you hit publish, your episodes will stream not only on Spotify, but I'm talking about the Apples, the Googles, Stitcher, Good Pods, the other ones. <laughs> you get the idea. And you can monetize your podcast with no minimum listenership required. You could also set up monthly subscriptions and record ads just like this one. So what are you waiting for? Download Spotify for Podcasters today and start changing the world. Oh, and please, stay interesting. 20th Century Studios presents Vacation Friends 2. Now streaming only on Hulu. Look at us all together again. We just wanted to give you guys a real honeymoon. Shots! 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 Right. Now streaming. Dad! He was just released from jail. Where can I get a drink around here? Back on vacation. This place is nice. It's drug lord nice. I'm sorry, drug lord nice? With more baggage. Ever since he showed up, he turned this relaxing vacation into total chaos. Who does that? Vacation Friends 2. Rated R. Now streaming only on Hulu. And we're back. We are so back. And my friends, we need to head on over to the Pacific Northwest National Library, a Poppin research institution whose casual goals include, quote, laying a foundation for innovations that advance sustainable energy through decarbonization and energy storage and enhance national security through nuclear materials and threat analysis, end quote. That was a lot. That's why I had to take a deep breath, and that was from their website. And all of this, all of this is just another day at the old PNNLNBD. So, just like any other day at this facility, Sandra Taylor, first author of the study we're covering and chemist, was hanging out with a bunch of colleagues from PNNL and collaborating with some other wonderful nerds like geochemist Daniel Gregory of the University of Toronto, and Timothy Lyons of the University of California at Riverside. Go fighting otters. I don't know if it's otters. I just made that shit up. Now, this Marvel Comics-worthy team was having the goddamn time of their lives dissecting iron pyrite rocks. I'll say that again. They were dissecting iron pyrite rocks from upstate New York, all with the intention of trying to understand how toxic arsenic leaks out of them. Uh, this apparently is an environmental problem. I, I know. I Something new. Something new. But we are not here today to talk about that depressing shit. And don't worry, what we're about to talk about, what we're about to cover, it won't be depressing at all. I know. I know. Now, when they cracked open these rocks, they noticed something bizarre, but in a good way. As Karen Heed reported for the PNNL, quote, they noticed tiny defects in the form of spherical clusters. Hmm. Scientists describe the appearance of these particular pyrite minerals as frambois, or framboids, if you're from Brooklyn like me. <laughs> so, framboids, or frambois, is derived from the French word for raspberry because they look like clusters of raspberry segments under the microscope. We looked at these samples through the electron microscope first, and what we saw were these kinds of mini bubbles or mini fractures, and wondered what they were. Sandra Taylor said, end quote. Now, my friends, 
drop your child if you're holding them and grab your phone, head on over to our social media stuffs and take a look at what Sandra saw. It really does look like the skin of a raspberry. They, these are just the tiniest, tiniest goddamn rouge bubbles. So just how tiny were they and how old are we talking here? Well, get this. They use something called atom probe tomography. Yeah, atom probing mm -hmm. and mass spectrometry. Now, these two methods are used to determine the molecular weight of particles that are nearly impossible to weigh because we're talking about things on a nanoscale here. Anywho, the team worked out that these bubbles contained water and their salt chemistry matched that of ancient seas. My friends, drop your child once more or drop your phone and hold on to your butts from Karen Heed, quote, the findings confirmed that the water trapped inside the rock fit the chemistry profile of the ancient inland saltwater sea that once occupied upstate New York. During the Middle Devonian period, 400 million years ago, this inland sea stretched from present-day Michigan to Ontario, Canada. End quote. What the fuck did I just say? There is a fucking sea in upstate New York 400 million years ago that was from Michigan to Ontario. <laughs> that blew my mind when I heard that. So I just had to look up how large that would have been. And drum roll, please. Somewhere between, or somewhere around, I should say, 250 miles long. Now, that's impressive. But we have to talk about who lived in that goddamn sea. Continuing from PNNL, quote, it harbored a coral reef to rival Australia's Great Barrier Reef. Sea scorpions, the size of a pickup truck, patrolled waters that harbored uh, now extinct creatures like trilobites and the earliest examples of horseshoe crabs. End quote. Jesus H. Uh, you heard me right. 400 million year old sea scorpions? <laughs> the size of cars? <laughs> And they lived in, they lived between Michigan and Ontario. I, I, it just, I know, I don't know. But luckily, they're all extinct. And that's because over those millions of years, the climate changed. And with that, the sea slowly dried up, leaving behind only fossils and sediment, which eventually became the pyrite rocks used in the study. Now, here's the thing, my friends. That's a general idea of what happened. Finding evidence of water which can be tested can reveal what's been missing in our Earth's history. I'm talking about numbers and data and detail. Quote, we use mineral deposits to estimate the temperature of the ancient oceans, said Daniel Gregory, a geologist at the University of Toronto, to PNNL. But there are relatively few useful examples in the geological record. Salt deposits trapped in halite, another type of rock researchers use and mostly depend on, are relatively rare in the rock records. So there are millions of years missing in the records, and what we currently know is based on a few localities where halite is found. By contrast, pyrite is found everywhere. Sampling pyrite with atom probe tomography and mass spectrometry, the probing and the mass, it could open up millions of years of geological records and lead to new understanding of climate change." End quote. So 
This is a big fucking deal, my friends. We can start writing out our ocean's life stories line by line and get a, bit, get a better picture of what's to come. And this is all thanks to Sandra and her nerd gang using a different analysis method on different rocks. And wait, it totally gets better. The facts, think about it, the fact that these bubbles have existed for 400 million years, safely contained, is something we can duplicate and use. Sandra basically had a eureka moment telling PNNL, quote, the hy hydrogen, hydrogen is being explored as a low carbon fuel source for various energy applications. This requires being able to safely retrieve and store large amounts of hydrogen in underground geological reservoirs. So it's important to understand how hydrogen interacts with rocks. Atom probe tomography is one of the few techniques where you can not only measure atoms of hydrogen, but you could actually see where it goes in the mineral. This study suggests that tiny defects in minerals might be potential traps for hydrogen." End quote. So, that was a lot, but it's basically saying the smallest bubbles ever found so far, they're gonna tell us about the oceans, they're gonna tell us about our future possibly, and they might help us get our act together. That's fucking cool. <laughs> And that's the end of this episode. So thank you for rating, listening, subscribing, telling your friends how long it fucking takes to fill an Olympic pool with saliva. It's a long time. Just a couple of 8,000 years, and a lot can happen in 8,000 years. And uh, please, stay interesting. <laughs>